Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Be Her Village podcast. My name is Caitlin Magreus, and I'm the founder of Be Her Village. Be Her Village is an online gift registry for what moms really need, support, not stuff. We're talking to providers and people who care for moms in their pregnancy, their birth, their postpartum. We're talking to real moms and hearing their stories and really just getting into all the good stuff that comes along with new parenthood. So check us out, tune in, and let us know what you think. And today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Michelle Friedman, maternal mental health specialist and owner of Grace Street Counseling. Thank you so much for joining me today, Michelle. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. It is so my pleasure. Anytime we are on a Zoom call together, I just feel like I wish people could see like the <laughs> smile that is beaming from you. There's just such yeah. lovely energy and it's such a great is such a great thing. And I just want to um, note that this is like kind of full circle for you because you're such a huge fan. You're like my only in-person real life person that makes me feel like a celebrity of our socially distant tea time. Uh, I am. I'm a groupie. I'm a, I'm a groupie. <laughs> and now you're in the podcast. It's like, this is a big moment for you. <laughs> it is. I feel, I feel very accomplished. This is like, this is like a really big moment for me. Yes. <laughs> on the resume. This is big. <laughs> um, so let's talk about it. You probably part of why you love socially distant tea time is because it's, it's me and two maternal mental health specialists and that is what you are. So can we just start with like a baseline of what is maternal mental health versus, you know, just being a social work, just, I don't say that in a derogatory way, but you know, what's the difference between finding a regular therapist, quote unquote regular? I don't, I don't know that any therapist I've ever met is a regular person, <laughs> more <laughs> therapists you meet, but what does it mean to be a maternal mental health specialist? I love, I love that question. And I, I actually have been a regular therapist and now I am a maternal mental health professional. And basically the first 10, 11 years of my professional career was in mental health, but not specializing in maternal mental health. I, I worked with um, anywhere from adolescence up through adulthood, all different types of struggles. And when I became a mom, um, I realized that there are so many things that moms go through, um, whether it's during the process of getting pregnant, pregnancy, or the postpartum period and transitioning into motherhood that are so unique and specialized. And when I tried to um, talk to people about what was going on in the field, I found that the people that really understood what was going on for me as I transitioned were the people in the maternal mental health field. And I realized that my pat my one of my passions in life was always to become a mom and i always had that feeling inside of me that i just wanted to be a mom and i thought that it would be a very simple transition because i've always loved being with kids and i've always loved everything pretty much everything about the idea of it um and then i realized that there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes that i never knew about before so it really, it really just opened up my eyes in, in a professional sense of all of the things that I wanted to learn about. Because when I combine motherhood and mental health, it's so much of who I am and what I'm passionate about. And the reason why I have such a huge smile when I'm talking to you or other people in, in the field is because this is just my moment of 
understanding and knowing where I want to be and finding that passion in helping moms and, and helping people through their journeys is, has been such an amazing, um, transition for me to, to go into from a professional sense. And so to answer your question, the difference in, um, talking to a professional that doesn't specialize versus somebody that does is there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways that, um, mental, mental health conditions and struggles present themselves when, when, um, a person is in pregnancy reproductive stage or in, in new motherhood. And I think that if, if a person is, if a professional is in tune to those things, then we can provide you with the education, the resources, and the, um, the real specialty, and we zero in on the things that, that really will help you to come to a place where you feel like yourself again, where you feel like you're getting some relief from whatever it is that you're struggling with. And sometimes, if, if a person doesn't have that education, training, and experience, then they don't know exactly how to help steer you in the right direction. So I think that it really helps to focus the sessions on exactly what it is that you need at that time in your life. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. Um, as you were talking, I had this like childhood memory come up of, I'm going to share it because I always go therapy whenever I'm with therapists, it's great. So it all, all the memories flood back. Um, I had this memory of, I think it was probably like the first time I was probably like seven years old. The first time I heard of like postpartum depression. And I remember asking my mom, like, well, why would somebody be depressed? Because they just had their baby and they're like, isn't that exciting that they have their baby? And obviously that's a very childlike view of it. But I also think that there is something particularly challenging about maternal mental health in that there is still this pressure of like, well, aren't you happy? Didn't you choose this? Isn't this the best time of your life? And it's like, oh wait, but maybe I'm not. And then it can feel really confusing. And so it, it would make sense to kind of reach out to somebody who has that specialty and has that context of the challenges that can present themselves during that time. Because Absolutely. And I, I can't, I can't even tell you how many times I hear people say that loved ones are saying those kinds of things to them. Like, just look at your baby, you'll feel better. It's, you know, it's, it's going to pass and, and just really coming from a loving place, but trying to eliminate it or minimize it in a way that is not possible when you're really, when you're really struggling with depression, anxiety, or anything, you know, anything else like that. You can't just make it go away. It's something that you need to, you need some help with, and you need to learn how to, how to work through that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I totally, like, it's one of those things where it's really well-intentioned. It's people that maybe yeah. are up on the struggle, but have no idea what resources, and that could even be like your OB, you know, could be saying that, like, right. could be saying, oh, just go for a walk, you know, um, but, oh, I lost my train of thought. We do this all the time in this podcast. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. It's totally gone. Okay. Switching gears. So sorry. Um, it'll come back to me, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Can we talk about what the name of your practice is, Grace Street Counseling. Is there a story behind that? Um, please expand. Please let us know. Sure. I love to. Yeah. So the way that I originally got 
the name is is actually from a Dave Matthews band song called Gray Street. And that's I I just love that song. And it's all about um, a woman who pretty much is seeing the world in gray. She feels like all the color has has gone away from her world. And it's about her her own struggles. And I was thinking about names and grace has always been a word that is very meaningful for me in my life because grace is something that you can really tap into. If you can tap into grace, it's kind of like um, this, this like superhero power in, in my mind. Um, so grace is, is what you give yourself when you're having a hard time, when you're trying to be a better person, when you're trying to give yourself a break, when you're trying to be more loving to yourself. Like these are all ways that, that grace can present in your life. So I thought about going from gray street to gray street. So having struggles and having a really hard time, but then going to, to me, gray street is a place where, um, you can, you can really get in touch with your strengths and where you can be a little bit nicer to yourself. And I think that a lot of people struggle with being nice to themselves, even like the, the internal talk that goes on. You talked about like as a new mom feeling like um, that, that pressure to be happy and to be in this moment and to be really excited and just happy all the time. And I think a lot of moms feel that way. And, but that's not, I don't think that's always realistic. It's probably not realistic at all to feel like that all the time. There are moments of happiness, but there's also some really hard times. So I think that grace is something that if you could show yourself grace, understanding, and, and just a little bit of patience and sweetness during the times when it's really difficult, then you you get yourself to a better place and that's part that's what that's what it means to me so it's it's actually a very special feeling and i have to practice it myself too if i'm having a hard day i'll remind myself that i need to show myself grace too and i think it's something that can be really empowering for anybody that is so beautiful and so important I'm just, I'm so uplifted. It sounds like it's not just the name of your practice, but it's actually kind of like a theme and a, and a direction mm -hmm. that you, that you're driving people into. And it's, it's so important because I'm somebody who needs that sort of reminder. Like I have friends that literally will be like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm exhausted today. And they're like, it's okay to rest. You know, and it's like little things like that are just like, okay, it's okay to rest. And it's okay to not achieve everything. And it's okay to not be the perfect parent. And it's, you know, it's okay to yell at your kids sometimes. And it's okay to put them in front of the TV. And it's okay to not be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, what I find too is like, and I think a lot of people do this, but I can only speak from my own experience, is that there's this like feeling of, I am extremely hard on myself, whereas I'm so forgiving and understanding and empathetic to other people who are literally in yes. my same situation. Like yes. I myself and I'm like, why am I so tired? I remember one time I, when I was um, doing dual work and I was the primary caregiver for my three very young children and I was so exhausted and I couldn't figure out why I was so exhausted because doula work in my brain was like this part-time thing. And, and I was just like kind of stay at home mom, but like doing doula work. So I couldn't figure out why I was so, so tired all the time. And I was, I had this like self-talk of like that I was lazy and I was not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Why am I not good enough? You know? And then I, I decided on my own, I don't know why, but it was a really good exercise to start recording my hours of how many hours I spent on the phone or interacting or being at a birth or meeting with people or teaching childbirth ed. And in seven days, I did 42 hours of work. And I was like, 
oh, I'm tired because I'm working two full-time jobs. So this is very, (laughs) this is normal. (laughs) Maybe I should give myself grace and maybe I should get a babysitter. You know, it it opened up this whole (laughs) idea of like, I just go and go and go without understanding like how much work I'm actually doing and how difficult this actually is. And so I love that perspective. But meanwhile, if I, if I saw someone else doing what I, I was doing, I would, I would probably be able to recognize it and be more kind to them than I was. To mm-hmm. my so I love that yes. idea of being graceful with ourselves. That's really beautiful. Um, so it came back to me what I wanted to say before, which I'm really glad because it was, but here we go. Um, so one of the things that I find um, problematic and like something I would love for you to kind of talk about specifically is what actually is postpartum depression and anxiety and, and postpartum mood disorders and what they actually, not in the clinical sense, but more like in an experiential way. Because I think part of why, as we were talking about family members saying, you know, enjoy every moment and just go for a walk and it'll be okay, which is well-intentioned, but really can be super dismissive, mm-hmm. is that there is, I remember going as a doula for a postpartum mood disorder uh, PMAD training, and there is a normal period of quote-unquote baby blues, right, where right. it can resolve and be nothing, and there is definitely like a, a quote-unquote normal, I don't know what normal is at this point, but there is this kind of like universal experience of having some hormonal shifts and having some up and down times, and then it can, for some people, for many, for many more people than I think are recognizing it, it transitions into a longer-term, more problematic mm-hmm. mood disorder, but yeah. I know as a mom, I didn't recognize that I had postpartum anxiety until I had my second and I didn't feel anxious. I just, I didn't know about postpartum anxiety. I thought depression would look like sadness. And for me, and I think for a lot of people, it doesn't. So can you speak a little bit to like what, how would a new mom or a pregnant person who's listening to this, like how do they figure out what it looks like and how they can figure out if they actually have something to, and you know, they don't have to diagnose themselves, but like, what are the types of things that would maybe make them give you a call or seek more help? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, I think that I'll just start off with the baby blues piece. The baby blues usually last right after giving birth, a couple of days after giving birth, up to about two weeks after, after giving birth. And usually that is, um, it, it is due to hormonal fluctuations and just the whole process of giving birth and what comes with it and the sleep deprivation. Um, but it, that's like tearfulness and, and just like feeling down, but overall you still feel happy um, for, for most of the day, even though you'll have your moments of feeling down. Now, if you get past that, that about two week mark and you're feeling not like yourself in whether it's that you're you're crying or you're feeling really anxious or you feel like you need to control every aspect of of the day in order to protect yourself or your baby and you're really zeroing in on um safety and and it's really taking over your days things like that um then that would be a red flag that that it might be a good idea to talk to someone just to see is you know am i okay do i need some additional support because really what happens is there's a shift from um your normal functioning to a place where 
your, the symptoms of whatever you're experiencing are really getting in the way of your life. You're not feeling like yourself. You're feeling like, um, maybe panicked a lot or like you can't relax. Maybe it's hard to sleep. Those are a lot of the, the signs that, um, new moms will see when they're struggling with, um, with any of those things, um, depression, anxiety, OCD. Um, another, another one that I've seen a lot of is, um, having really difficult time recovering mentally from the birth, um, especially right now, you know, right now we're in the middle of the pandemic and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different dynamics attached to what moms are experiencing and, and just the, the overall fear of having a baby during a pandemic and, and all the safety concerns. So I've seen a lot of that too, where new moms are feeling like I just can't get over how this happened or how my expectations weren't met. And I'm thinking about it. I'm dreaming about it. I'm, I have things that trigger me throughout the day and I just can't get it out of my mind. So if you're really struggling mentally to um, to deal with all these things that you're thinking about, or you're really not feeling like yourself, then it's, I don't think it's ever a bad idea, even just to talk to someone, even if it ends up being for a short amount of time. And then after like a month or something, you feel better. Sometimes you just need a safe place to share your story. And it's really amazing. And, and it's great to have family and friends, but a lot of times I find that people feel like they need to protect their family and friends feelings. So they're not completely honest with just how bad they're feeling or just how bad their experience was, because there is that expectation for it to be a happy time and to really be feeling good. So I think that ha talking to a professional about it and being able to just unload some of the, the really heavy topics that, um, that are consuming every day, um, coupled with the pressure of caring for a newborn and, and everything that comes with that, it could just be a relief to have someone to talk to that understands and can help you um, process it. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I'm just thinking like, as I'm listening to you, first of all, I have experienced that myself, like just one or two really good therapy sessions with someone that is outside of your life and you don't have this yes. attachment to as, as supportive and loving as the people in your life can be. Mm -hmm. It can feel really good to just have this like outsider come in who's a professional and who has the expertise and just kind of vomit your story onto them and have them, <laughs> you know, help you work through it in a way that that is non-judgmental and, and productive. Right. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the stigmas surrounding seeking out help, because I think, mm -hmm. I think this is something um, that is really deeply rooted. And I don't think it's just in therapy, but I think it's therapy, especially like, I think that new mothers have this thing that they're the pressure to, be everything to everybody and to do it perfectly right. and to do it on their own and to do it without help. And I think that can be extraordinarily isolating. Um, and I think that's what many of us in this profession, in, in the motherhood profession, right, are, are yeah. working to break down those barriers in our own, in our own way. But I think there's also a particular, a particular stigma around therapy. Like people forget maternal mental health. Like people just think that you, if you go to therapy, there's something wrong or you're weak or you, you know, that like you're damaged in some way. And as right. I use a therapist, not on a regular basis, but like when I'm in crisis, like the first thing I do is call a therapist. 
I don't have like one. It's just like whoever is for that moment because I find it so incredibly helpful to just have somebody to, it's worth every single penny to just have somebody to have that sounding board off of and give me insight and direction and tools, actual tools to handle upcoming situations. Like everybody should see a therapist before the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone should see one. But can you talk to me a little bit about that stigma and like what you find and if people are not reaching out because of the stigma or they're reaching out to later, what is it in your experience? Yeah. And I think you touched on so many great points. First of all, there's so much pressure for all of us as individuals and pretty much in all stages of our life to be strong and not to show people our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities, even when going through great losses or really, really, really difficult times. um, It's, it's expected that we're strong and we get through it and we do it on our own. I don't really know exactly where that comes from, but it's, it's not, in, in my opinion, it's just not a great way to do it because there are so many tools and resources to help you. And so the stigma to see a therapist is really like a barrier because when you go into therapy, what you're doing is you're actually empowering yourself to get through it. Your therapist doesn't do it for you. You still have to live your life. You still have to walk through what you're going through. But like you said, you get the tools that can help you to manage, manage it better. Um, you know, have some more clarity in what you're going through and figure out like the best way for you to handle it. I think that a lot of people feel like if they go into therapy, then they're going to be labeled as a sick individual or somebody that has this life sentence of having problems. Um, Even though now I think it's a lot more talked about than it used to be. It's getting a little bit better. Um, Especially within like families and culture plays a big part in People will say, um, you know, that's not what we do, or that's not how we handle things. We keep family things a secret, or we don't talk to outsiders about what's on. And that's that's a really powerful force that prevents people from seeking out the help that they need. And and what happens is they end up struggling more for it. And I I find that when I when I'm able to work with somebody like through pregnancy and then into the beginning part of motherhood, a lot of times they have an easier time transitioning, even if they have a history of anxiety or depression or other things. Um, It's people that try to do it by themselves for a long time and then are trying to to get the help that um, it could sometimes be a little bit more difficult because there's so much more to sort through and I and they they still can sort through it it just might be a different journey versus like if you are in pregnancy know that you have a history of anxiety or depression and you're like okay I need the tools so that I can get through this, this transition into motherhood, which is so, which is so big. Um, and then they're able to really be a part of that process, which is empowering in itself. Let's talk about the advice that new moms get, because I think that there's um, a lot of it out there, much of it unsolicited and much of it bad. If I will go so far as to say it, um, I remember I was, I lived in Astoria in Queens for my first um, baby and I had just had a C-section and I had, I was, breastfeeding was difficult. Everything was kind of going wrong, but I was like deep into survival mode. And I remember walking out of 
the how the apartment and it was like connected houses and it was July it was like probably 90 degrees that day and I had a blanket on my baby and his little cute little newborn feet were sticking out and they didn't have socks on them and this old Greek lady next door saw him and like instead of being like oh congratulations on the baby she was like that baby needs socks and I remember like oh my god like I immediately internalized it like oh my god I'm failing my baby a baby always needs socks it was like this whole thing and 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 then I remember walking down the block and being like wait a second I'm his mother it's summertime it's 90 degrees and I think his feet are fine like I had touched them they were not cold it was 90 degrees out you know and it was just like one of my first awareness of like that people are just gonna shout things at me or she literally shouted them but it could feel like shouting even if it's not but people are just gonna inject their own view onto what I should do with my baby like maybe she was right but you know what he's eight years old now and he was fine so um, <laughs> so I think that one of the challenges of motherhood can certainly be just that there's like kind of voices coming from all over and the quality of what they're saying is not necessarily based in evidence. It can be based in like, you know, myth and old wives tales and family, and it can be based in guilt. I know as a doula, I've had a lot of, um, of my clients say that their mothers or mothers-in-law are like really unsupportive of breastfeeding, but in this way that feels like defensive as if it's an attack on their choices. And mm. it's a really, difficult path to navigate. So can you speak a little bit about how we can navigate like all these voices and all the advice, especially the unsolicited advice that comes our way as new moms? Yeah, that's, that's really hard. And especially as a new mom, um, if it's your first experience, it can feel like, like you said, your baby's not wearing socks and then you can internalize that and feel like, oh, well, that means I'm a bad mom. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But part of, I think part of the beginning of the journey that's really difficult and that can be a challenge is to develop your own trust in yourself as a mom to make decisions. And, and one thing that is so important to remember is that no, no two moms are going to do things exactly the same. So people could give you advice and tell you what they did and what worked for them. It doesn't mean that it's going to work for you or it's going to work for your baby. And as long as you are safe, you know, your baby is safe, you are safe, and everybody is taking care of their basic needs, um, there's no such thing as right or wrong. It's not a black and white situation. There's a lot of gray. And I think that there's so much um, pressure to um, please other people. Like people pleasing is a huge problem. People feel like they need to not only do what they want to do and, and make their vision come to life as new parents, but also meet the, the um, expectations of everybody around them. And it's just not possible to please everybody. So I think that, um, you know, one way, one way to navigate that is to kind of I like to tell people to ask questions back. So if somebody says to you like, oh, you should put socks on your, on your baby's feet, ask them about that. Oh, what did you do with your babies? Did, were your baby's feet cold? Or like just start a conversation about it if it feels right. Um, because that, what that does is they're, they're coming at you from their own experience. Maybe there was something that happened with their baby's foot and they, they feel like, wow, that's a really important thing because something happened to my baby's 
Um, you know, you never, you never know, but I think that just not taking the advice as black and white information that you need to follow, but more like a conversation starter or saying like, well, that's, that's nice that you do it that way. This is how I'm going to do it when you feel more secure about the way that you're doing it. Um, but just reassuring yourself that there is no right or wrong and it's okay to make choices the way that you want to make them. And sometimes people won't agree, but at the end of the day, if you're doing what you feel is best for your baby and for you, then it is the right choice. That's great. It's um, what you just said totally like struck another memory for me, which is um, <laughs> just bringing up all kinds of great stuff, Michelle, yeah. <laughs> um, which is that I have this friend and I love her very much. And she um, has always, our kids are around the same age, but she has always had this thing about the stairs. Like when her daughter goes up the stairs, she is right behind her and she's always reminding her to like sit and go to, it's like, she just gets triggered into this every single time, which is a lot because, because we don't live in a ranch, you know? So one time I remember asking her and being like, you know, cause her daughter is not, she can totally, she's very capable of the stairs. So I just asked her, I didn't judge. I didn't, you know, cause I don't care if you want to jump up and go deal with her every time she's on the stairs. It's just not how I'm going to parent my kids, you know? I mean, they were like six years old. It wasn't like babies at this time. And mm -hmm. He, I said, Hey, like, what's, what's with the stairs? Why are you so nervous about the stairs? And she said, and I don't even think she put two and two together, but she started talking about how her little sister had fallen down the stairs when she was little and like broke a bunch of bones and got really hurt. So I'm not even sure she was completely aware of it until that moment, but it certainly was enlightening for me. Like that's mm -hmm. just, that's her story. That's her family's history. And if that makes her feel better to jump up and go make sure her daughter is okay on the stairs, you know, so be it. And, and so be it that I stay seated while my kids <laughs> run up and down. But right. it's, it's so important to, to know that people are coming into this parenting thing with their own history, their own memories, their own thoughts and beliefs. And, and the person who's giving you advice, I love that. Like, just ask them what that's coming from, because it might be really, most of the things I think people say to new moms are well-intentioned, mm -hmm. but they really strike the wrong tone. And when you, when you're already feeling so vulnerable, it can like, oh, it just digs in a little bit more. Yeah. So, so hard. Oh. Yeah. The judgment is not needed because you're already judging yourself. You really just need support. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. Judgment. I feel like we judge ourselves harder than we judge anyone else. Although I have yeah. to say like, before I was a mother, I judged people so much and I feel <laughs> kind of awful about it, especially because I became a mother and like totally fell apart and had everything happen I didn't want to happen. And then that was my first, I was like, oh, this is like, I'm now a person who had a C-section, which was what I judged like four months ago, I thought people who have C-sections mm -hmm. are X, Y, Z, and now I am one, but I'm still me. And it was like this, my brain, I feel very immature, like in talking about like that I was so immature and, and that's how my thinking was. But my thinking was like that. It was so black and white. And the more I became a mother and the more I supported mothers, the more I realized how little black and white there really is because- right. I have supported so many women who have made and wanted different, made different choices and wanted different things for their birth. And, you know, as a doula, that's what we were talking about. And it was such an incredible experience to 
fully with my whole heart support them in that, even though it's literally nothing I would ever want. Because for me, it's just my birth and my story and my history and my everything was different. But to realize that these were people, these were good people, these were people that wanted the best thing for their family and for their bodies and for their babies. And, and what one thing that works for them didn't work for me or one thing that worked for me definitely wouldn't work for them. And mm-hmm. it really just it enlightened me a whole lot, um, which kind of has me where I am today. I'm like, oh, we're all like, literally, we're all trying the best that we can. <laughs> so, right. There's nobody out there that's like not trying the best. It just looks so incredibly different for each family, what those choices are. And yeah. yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's like, you never know what baggage or what experiences somebody is bringing with them. Like all we see is the outside picture and you don't really know what, what they've gone through in their life or what their internal struggles are. So it's really, um, I think that that's a really eye opening experience in becoming a mom and realizing, wow, the things that I thought before might not be how it, how it really is. It's different. Yeah. Motherhood has that way. I mean, I'm sure there's like me. <laughs> Like I was the best parent before I had a kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about what it looks like to work with a maternal mental health specialist. And I want to ask you a, a couple of things, like logistically, what does it look like? Like, is it in person? Is it telehealth? Um, what, how does telehealth and in person, like right now we have to address the pandemic, right? Like, so what is that sort of sure. thing? But also, what is the length of your relationship with your clients? Is it ongoing for years? Is it one or two appointments? What, and, or is it different based on who you're working with? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. Um, so first of all, in, just in general, it's, it's a little bit different to talk about it now in the pandemic versus bef- like before, I would say most people were doing in-person. Um, I, I actually was doing in-person for years, and then I started doing telehealth about two, two or three years ago before the pandemic started. Um, I actually really got into telehealth because I felt like it was a great way for people who didn't have the ability to get to an appointment or had some kind of barrier, whether it's childcare or transportation or things like that, um, that needed, that needed to see a therapist. So it, and it was really convenient for them. I also have found that it is, it can be really comfortable too. So it's, it's really about finding what works for you in terms of like the in-person versus telehealth. But in terms of um, maternal mental health, I think that one thing that's important to me is that if the mom or, or the partner or the parents want to involve the baby in sessions, that can be a really great, um, a really great aspect of this because we can talk about the care or things in the moment that are going on, feelings that they have in the moment. They don't have to feel like, oh, I'm going to this appointment, so I need to have childcare or have the baby in another room. I've had parents change a diaper during an appointment. I mean, it's really, and but that that's my, that's the way that I do it. I want it to be as comfortable as possible for, for the, the new parents. Um, but in terms of the logistics of the session, usually they're anywhere from, uh, about 45, 50 minutes for a session. And we, we talk about really anything that is relevant to what you're going through in that moment. So, you know, we'll start off talking about, um, 
what, you know, your history and what's been going on and what's leading you into seeking therapy right now. And then it could go in a million different directions. We could start talking about like expectations and, and then social norms, or we could talk about like how you feel about your relationship with, with your family or your, your mom or mother-in-law. I mean, there's so many different breastfeeding. I mean, there are so many different directions that a maternal mental health section uh, session can go in and it's all useful and it can all be so helpful in just figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say in terms of the, the time frame, it really does vary between people. Some people will um, see me for a few months and then after that time they feel like, okay, I, I, you know, I have the tools that I need and I'm feeling a lot more like myself and I'm ready to take a break break. There are some people who will feel a lot better, but will start to um, maybe see me less frequently, maybe like every other week or once a month for a check-in or something like that. And then there are people who they come in because they're, um, you know, they have one thing going on and they're trying to figure out like becoming a new mom and, and the routines and how to like wrap their mind around their, their whole world being turned upside down. Um, and then it turns into, let's talk about my relationship. Let's talk about things that have gone on in the past that I've been thinking about more. And sometimes when you develop the relationship uh, with a therapist in the beginning for one reason, it can kind of spiral into other things that when you feel comfortable talking with them that you want to, you want to talk about and, um, and work through. So I do have some people that will stay much longer, but they might not be talking. They usually are not talking about the same things that they were talking about when they first came in. Um, so it really does, it really does vary. Yeah. I love that you said that because I feel like, um, for me anyway, in my own experience is that therapy just like has this way it's a, it kind of doesn't matter the situation that you're talking about, like the specifics and the characters, because there's just like patterns, like coping patterns that repeat and repeat and repeat. And so it's almost like, okay, if you work through this, like you need to now work through the next one and the next one so that you can break those patterns and practice it and use the tools right. and, and learn a new way of being, hopefully in a healthier way. Um, yeah. One of the things I just want to point out, and I don't know if it's like a great way to end, but I just, I think that there's this um, myth or misconception of therapy feeling good, you know? And I think that that's a little bit short-sighted. I think therapy, at least in my experience, it ends up feeling good on the other side, but there's kind of like this storm and this thing that you have to go through because so often in therapy, we are working through finding a new way, finding a new way through a challenge versus our old coping mechanisms, whether that's people pleasing, whether that's avoidance, whether that's, you know, substance abuse or, or something else. It's like, okay, so now instead of doing that thing that we've been holding on to and like has been serving us maybe up into a certain point, it's like, what is this new thing? How can we actually deal with the, with the issue at hand and do it in a newer, healthier way? And like, it doesn't always feel good. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up because it's so true. A lot of a lot of people feel like, okay, well, once I go to therapy, then it's just going to be like this straight line to feeling better. But it there there's a lot of ups and downs. A lot of times in the beginning, there is a relief just to talk about what's going on, um, and then once you start getting into things, you, you're challenging yourself. You're growing, and through growth and change, there there is some discomfort sometimes. But I think that one of the things that I love the most is when I'm working. With 
with somebody and they say, this is, this is the issue that I'm dealing with, or this is what I'm really struggling with. And then a little bit down the line, they're like, wow, this came up and I was able to handle it way differently than I did in the past. And I'm really proud of myself. And they see the change in themselves. That is, that is one of my favorite parts of being in the process with people is when they see the growth and change within themselves. It's, it's just amazing. I mean, it's amazing too, because it's really, I think this is like part of what I'm trying to hit on. And you just like hit on it is that it's not that you go to therapy or maybe you do, maybe you go to therapy for a situation, but you can't unlearn and ungrow. Like once you do the work and you find tools and you learn how to use them, you're forever changed. You know, there's just no going back to who you were before. And it's a really powerful, powerful process that's sometimes painful, but sometimes joyful. And it's, it's just a really cool thing. And if you haven't, if you guys are listening and you haven't actually worked with a therapist before, because maybe there is that storyline in your family, or there is this feeling of like, I only need that if I'm X, Y, Z, you know, like extra sad or, you know, something there's just, it can be so useful to just have someone there to help walk you through and help walk that path. Um, specifically for sure in motherhood because yes. the winding weaving path that yes. is not clear always the way forward for sure. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today, Michelle. It is so great to talk to you and to hear your approach. And I mean, I, I wish I knew about you and, and the, you know, all of the people that are maternal health care providers, but, or mental health providers, but it's just, it's so what new moms need. And that's part of what we're doing with Be Her Village is trying to connect, you know, our audience with these people before they're in crisis. Um, so before we sign off, I just want to say that Michelle is on Be Her Village. You can find her services in our registry guide, add them right to your uh, gift registry and your friends and family can fund uh, those services for you. But I also want to let Michelle uh, plug her own website and, and how, whatever other contact info. So if someone's listening and is like, man, I really need to get in a room with her or I really need to get on the Zoom call with her. Yeah. <laughs> how Thank you so much, Caitlin. And thank you for all that you're doing, all the work that you're doing on Be Her Village. I agree wholeheartedly that these services are so needed and the support, the support that you are helping new moms to find through your services is just invaluable and it's going to help so many people. Um, and I would love, I would love for anybody to reach out to me if you have any questions or, or you want to talk, um, you can find me. Uh, my website is gracestreetcounseling.com. You can also find me on Instagram at gracestreetcounseling. And all of my contact information is on my website. So you could feel free to give me a call, email, whatever works for you. I would love to hear from you. And I'm so grateful to be a part of, of the Be Her Village community and to be here talking with you today, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so my pleasure. You are absolutely amazing. And thank all of you for listening. Catch us next time on the Be Her Village podcast.